Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to my podcast, But First Pivot. I'm Danny, registered dietitian, certified sports dietitian, and CEO of Pivot Nutrition Coaching. I'm here to share my all foods fit approach and real life client success stories to inspire you to pivot away from all the fad diet nonsense and confusion. My goal is to simplify nutrition so you can enjoy foods you love like donuts and pizza and still achieve your health, performance, and body composition goals. Hey, hey everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast. So today I'm joined with Samantha Ferguson. She's a pivot nutrition coaching registered dietitian and online coach. We're going to talk about effort versus consistency. But before we dive into this extremely fun topic, I'm going to let her introduce herself. Welcome, Sam. Hi. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Um, I am based in Wilmington, North Carolina. So I'm on the East Coast and I am originally from New York. And I just really got into nutrition from my own journey of, you know, being fearful of foods and just trying to navigate that. So here I am trying to help people accomplish their goals in the same way, um, but very sustainable. And I have two dogs, which are pretty much my life. I have a pit bull and a husky border collie mix. And they're they're here for this podcast, are they? Are they on the, the beanbag next to you? Uh, my, my pit bull cabbage is here with us. I have the same bee bag in my house and my dogs definitely think it's theirs. Yes, it is theirs. <laughs> Everything is for them. Every time you come home with something, <laughs> they think it's for them. Of course. We're starting to bring in all the baby gifts and a lot of them look like dog toys and the dogs are like, these are for me. So that's going to be interesting once baby actually comes and there's like all these like kid toys and the dogs are going to think they're chew toys, but we'll cross that bridge when we get there. There's going to be like, this is my ball, right? (laughs) Yeah. As long as the baby throws the ball for the dogs, I think they're going to be content because we don't like to throw it all day. Um, But we could talk about dogs all day. Let's get this party started. Last week, I believe, or maybe it was two weeks ago, you posted or shared on your Instagram Something that I was like, yes, we need to talk about this on the podcast. And I feel like this happens a lot with us since we're very similar. But your post was, I guess, a quote or just you putting this out into the universe. And it was, there's a difference between putting in consistent effort and being consistently adherent. Now, since you posted it, tell us what that means. Yeah, so I find that this occurs a lot, especially when a client first starts with us. We have four phases that we go through, and our second phase is our foundational phase where we're just kind of teaching and guiding the clients to uh, build foundational habits. So maybe that's increase their protein intake or make sure they're getting enough fruits and veggies, so on and so forth. So when clients start to do those things, that's what I would consider consistent effort. And those are building blocks to where we need to go. But sometimes the client will be like, well, I'm doing the things you're saying. Why am I not seeing results yet? And that's where we dive into the consistently adherent, because although you're making these foundational changes, that doesn't necessarily mean you're in a calorie deficit to yield 
fat loss just yet. So when we get consistently adherent, that is when we're really meeting all the protocols that your coach has set for you, you know, calories, protein, fiber, steps, exercise, so on and so forth. Those are the things that you really have to dive in and be consistently adherent to. The consistent effort is you showing up and and doing those foundational habits that we'll talk about. Right. Showing up is not enough on its own. And I think, like, I agree 100%. I feel like that's most people when they start with us. One, 90% of them come to us for sustainable fat loss. We know that they want to feel better in their clothes. They want to lose inches. They want to lose pounds. But we have to build the foundation first, right? Yes, we can, you know, cut their calories by a thousand and they would see results, but that's not what we do because that's, it's really hard to maintain results when you don't have a good foundation. That's why we do it. We're not doing it to torture people. It's not like we want to postpone the fat loss phase, but if you don't have a good foundation of healthy habits and a good relationship with food, at the end of the fat loss phase, how do you expect to maintain the results if you don't have, first of all, knowledge of nutrition, like if we don't educate you, if you don't have good habits, like most diets are just rules, like cut carbs and you'll lose 30 pounds. Well, and then what? There is no foundation. You don't have good habits. All you did was cut out a food group. So our number one priority with our program is sustainability. Yes, it might take nine months versus three, but at the end of the nine months, you're going to have sustainable results versus if we go the quick, let's just cut carbs way, it'll be faster, but you'll probably regain that weight in nine months, in two years. And that's the last thing we want is this yo-yo dieting roller coaster party, because what's the point of investing energy, time, and sometimes money into your goals if you're just going to end up back at square one in one to two years. It just doesn't make sense to me. Absolutely. And I get asked relatively frequently, do does Pivot take every client that signs up or applies? And I was like, you know, all the time I'm like, no, we don't. Because if somebody's very, very just keen on, I need to lose 10 pounds, you know, next month, we, that's not our ideal client. So we will turn those types of clients down. And generally they do come back around saying, Oh, that didn't work for me long-term. But I think that really resonates with people who really do want to see long lasting change. So yes, it's going to take you a little bit longer, but it's going to pay off the, the longer, the longer route is after the shorter route, as we know. Right. The shortcut is doing it the right way. And it's funny you mentioned that. That reminds me so much of someone that I was on a discovery call with. I think it was a year ago, maybe a year and a half because time flies at this point. But I told her straight up on the phone, I said, I don't think you're a good fit for our program because you want to see results in three weeks. You're telling me you're going to be frustrated if you don't. And I'm going to tell you right now it's not going to happen. Like this person had a terrible mindset, a very long dieting history. The last thing she needed at this point, especially being referred from a a woman's health doctor where, you know, her hormones were all over the place. She wasn't sleeping like she had terrible biofeedback. She didn't feel good. She's been yo-yo dieting for 20 years. I'm like, 
if you're not willing to trust the process, this isn't going to work. So, like, I, I, I don't think this is the right program for you because you want a quick fix and this is not it. This is not. Like, I, I want everybody to feel good as fast as possible. But, again, I'd rather have sustainable than fast. Absolutely. But I want to go back to the effort part because I want to list off things that people are doing that are not going to directly cause fat loss. And I think you listed a few of them. But just to come back to the original statement that we made, there's a difference between putting in consistent effort and being consistently adherent. So some of the things that you and I have talked about before, like people are doing these things and they're not seeing results, but it makes sense. I think one of the greatest examples is, Danny, I'm eating more veggies, but I'm still not losing weight. Well, eating more veggies does not directly cause fat loss. We've talked about this in multiple podcast episodes before, that in order to see weight loss or fat loss, we have to be in a calorie deficit. If you're not in a calorie deficit and you're eating six servings of veggies per day, well, you're not going to see those types of results even though you're eating veggies. We're not saying don't eat veggies because that's not the answer. Veggies are so, so, so beneficial in a calorie deficit for many ways, and we can dive into that. But veggies does not equal fat loss if you're not in a calorie deficit. Right. I, I think another good example is I've increased my water and great. I'm glad you're hydrated now and you might have a better sense of when you're hungry versus thirsty, but more water does not equal less calories in your diet. Yeah. And I think the most common one is when people reach out and they say that they're confused and frustrated because they're not seeing results. And the reason they're frustrated is they're implementing all these healthy habits, right? They started walking. They started strength training. They are no longer eating processed foods and they're cooking at home, right? They're eating healthier. Just because you're eating healthier foods and exercising, that doesn't always mean you're in a calorie deficit because healthy foods have calories too, right? If I'm eating avocado toast three times a day with eggs and I'm eating walnuts and almond butter and salmon, those things are so nutritious. There's lots of vitamins and minerals and healthy fats, but just because I'm eating healthy foods, it still doesn't mean I'm in a calorie deficit. So yes, eating these things, we are probably improving health, right? We probably have less inflammation. We probably have more energy. We probably feel better, which is step one, honestly. Step one is doing all these things, but that doesn't mean we're in a calorie deficit. So that step one is that consistent effort, right? That's those things that we're doing day to day to build us up to being consistently adherent to achieve fat loss. Right. So you have all these building blocks, right? It's kind of like you're building a house. So think of every little habit like a brick. So getting enough water, getting your veggies, getting your protein in, moving your body, strength training, sleep, these are all bricks, but in order for you to see body composition results, we need to have that good foundation, 
And then the next step is to do all of the things consistently, specifically the things that will lead to fat loss. So let's dive into what those things are, which is pretty obvious because we've said it 10 times. But if your goal is to lose inches or lose pounds, you need to be in a calorie deficit. (laughs) You just have to. That's it. (laughs) I think a lot of people get upset when we say that, but we didn't make up these rules. (laughs) No, that's, that's just the way it goes. And when other people, other coaches and personal trainers and dietitians say it on social media, like straight up, they're like, you're not seeing results because you're not in a calorie deficit. And I'm like, why does it sound so much better when they say it? Like I say it and I feel like people look at me like, really that that's what you're going to tell me like i'm just not in a calorie deficit i'm like yes cuz i would say 95% of the time if you're not seeing results you're not in a consistent calorie deficit and the keyword is consistent not just calorie deficit cuz i know a lot of people including people in our program before they're consistent they're in a calorie deficit some days but not consistently long enough. I'm talking weeks of consistent calorie deficit, not Monday through Friday for two weeks. Like it's, and that's where the adherent part comes in, right? It's, and that's the thing, like calorie deficits are not fun. You've been there. I've been there. It's not, it's not a party. It's not a good time. And you have to be extremely, extremely disciplined to be in a consistent calorie deficit. Yeah, absolutely. I recently had a client that you just sparked that uh, reminded me of because she was, you know, on paper, it looked like she was being very consistent. I think I even had a conversation with you about her and uh, we jumped on our call and I was like, listen, I need you to track everything. I want you to weigh everything out for the week. And she was doing that previously, but she had kind of slacked off on it because she's like, oh, well, I have an idea of what this looks like now. I don't have to measure it on the scale anymore. So I asked her to start doing that again for one week and she got over her plateau, right? So even you and I in our calorie deficit, we're measuring everything out, even though we have a really good visual of what a portion looks like because we've done it for so long, we're still implementing those practices when we are in a calorie deficit as well. Oh, for sure. I, and you know, I'll talk about this a little bit later, but 10 months before my Mexico wedding ceremony, I hired my own dietitian coach so that I had the accountability of tracking my macros because when I'm keeping, you know, my clients accountable and overseeing a hundred pivot clients, the last thing I wanted was to think about my own numbers. And I remember telling you, like, maybe like five months in, like, I don't think my clients are doing this because I felt like I was next level with my macros. Like every single gram was being weighed out. If I was going out to eat, I would plan for it. Like everything was so meticulous, which is a very type A dietitian thing to do. But all I kept thinking was, are my clients doing this the way that I'm doing it? And I'm like, I feel like no, because one, they're not dietitians. So I feel like we just kind of go to that next level. But 
even though, like you said, like even though I know approximately what three ounces of shredded chicken looks like, it didn't matter because I was in it to win it. I was on a mission, a wedding dress beach mission. And I'm like, if I'm going to invest thousands of dollars into my own coach, I'm going to do this thing right. And it was I probably took one week off of tracking, and that was when I was in Vermont climbing mountains, which my mom made it to the top. High five, mom. Um, But (laughs) yeah, like besides that tracking break, it was the most consistent I've ever been in a tracking app in my entire life. And the only reason I was that consistent is because someone was looking at my numbers every single day, every single week. But Just in the process, I just remember telling you, are our clients doing this? And you're like, I don't think so. I feel like there's a handful of them that were diehards. And those are the people with the best results. The people that are planning their meals ahead of time. They're meal prepping. They're weighing their food. And it's not forever. So if you're listening to this and you're like, that sounds terrible. I don't want to do that. It's temporary. Fat loss phases are typically, I would say, four months on average or 16 weeks. So that might seem that long, but it goes by really, really fast. Just think, four months ago, it was February. It goes by yeah. fast. And I think, too, like just to preface, you know, we talk about balance so much in our program, and we're not asking you to be 100%, right, with tracking every little thing and whatnot, but when we ask you for balance, we need you to show up at like 90%. And that's where I think people get a little, you know, confused or, or just not recognizing what balance looks like to them is when we kind of take your averages at the end of the week, your consistency looks like 60%. Well, 60% doesn't allow you to pass, right? It didn't in school. It's not going to here. So just recognizing that, If you go out to eat, those numbers aren't going to be perfect and that's okay, but at least show up and put them in there so you have an idea of where you're sitting versus saying, I can't track this, so I'm not going to put it in there because then you're likely going to overconsume. Right. If I don't see anything in a journal, whether it's the the dinner isn't tracked or a full day, I'm assuming this person went over. (laughs) it's a good assumption. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Most of the time, if there's nothing there, it's because, and now, you know, it's spring. So there's a lot of grad parties, lake season is upon us. So I feel like if I don't see an entry, it's because someone doesn't want me to see it or they don't know how to track it. So it's just not being tracked. And that is something I do tell my clients outright. I, I'm like, if I don't see things in your journal, if it's sparse, I know why, right? Like, I know you're not tracking the things that maybe you don't want to put down and see yourself or you don't want me to see. But what good is that doing for you, right? I don't need you to journal for me. I need you to journal for you because you have invested in me and I can only give you my best dietitian self if I can give you accurate feedback based on what you're eating. Yeah, exactly. I had this conversation with someone today who only tracked... I would say eight days out of the last 14. And I straight up told her, I said, I can't do my job. Like you're in a fat loss phase. I cannot do my job if I have no data because we're, we had both decided that we were going to do macros, right? If we were not doing macros, I wouldn't be trying to calculate numbers. 
There's a lot of different ways to be in a calorie deficit. You don't have to track macros, but we love macros because it's quantifiable data, right? We just take an average, we look at trends, and then we can make adjustments. And it works if people are doing it right. So it's 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 definitely tough, but it's like, you know, I said this to a client. She's a teacher, and I I straight up told her, I'm like, listen, like you're a teacher. Can you grade your students' essays if they're half written? She's like, well, no. And I was like, well, I can't. I can't do my job if I have nothing to assess, um, especially when people are in a fat loss phase. It's different in a foundational phase. Um, but I think it really comes back to, again, like effort and consistency are not the same thing, right? I call it with my clients, I say I need relentless consistency where it's not perfection, right? You don't need to be perfect every single day. Sometimes I would, you know, go out to eat and, you know, I would guesstimate, Right. It's not it's not going to be perfect. Or maybe, you know, I would weigh my yogurt and granola most of the time, but not every time. Right. That's still consistency. But like you said, 90 percent gets the job done and 90 percent leads to results. Right. Whether you're in school or in this program. But this is not the kind of program where C's get degrees. Unfortunately not. We didn't we didn't also have that luxury. At least at my college, you were not getting an internship with C's, so. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um and that that that's a perfect kind of um point to transition into another uh post that you shared in the past week or so that ties perfectly in with this first statement of the difference between effort and consistency basically, and that was you can't expect a plus results with C plus efforts. So let's dive into that one. Yeah, we kind of had this chat earlier, and I think this resonates with this post a lot is people have this um, unrealistic, I think, uh, desire to look a certain way. It doesn't fit their lifestyle. So you had mentioned, you know, you had somebody come in that was like, I want abs. And you're like, your lifestyle doesn't allow you to have that type of body. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I think also just being honest about how much effort you can put in. Like, if you're showing up and you want, you know, you want to build muscle or lose fat or whatever your goal is, but you're showing up half of the time, well, you can't expect to look like the person who shows up 100% of the time. And so just just really, I guess, even being very realistic about what your lifestyle looks like in accordance to what you want to achieve. Because if you're a mom of three and you know that you guys have pizza every Friday and you're on the go a lot, well, are you going to be packing, you know, chicken and veggies every single time you have you know, I don't know, a a tournament or something to go to. If that's not realistic, then you can't expect to have results looking like this person or that person. Um, So I think that's just like something to, to remember is like, what is realistic for also what my lifestyle is? Right. And I think most people in general want balance, right? They want to look and feel better, but they also want to have a cold beer on a Friday night, right? And 
you know, back to this this person that told me on day one, this like, you know, 40 year old dad, he goes, I want to have abs. And I'm like, okay, that's not impossible. But is it realistic? Because the people that you see on Instagram with abs, like the six packs, and they look like supermodels, their life is dedicated to those abs. They're probably in the gym minimum two hours a day. They're probably lifting and doing cardio. They're probably doing two-a-days. Those are the people that are likely having chicken, rice, and broccoli every single day for lunch weighed out. They're probably having tilapia, rice, and asparagus every night for dinner. They probably very rarely eat out. They probably don't drink alcohol. And they're like, oh, like, I don't want to do that. You know, I want to have, like, nachos and pizza with my kids. And I'm not saying you can't have abs, you know, and not eat pizza. Like, you can still have those things. But it's just a lot of these body goals that people have are unrealistic because that's what we see. But the thing is, a lot of the times, those pictures are moments. Like one of my friends is a male registered dietitian, and I'll never forget this post that he did. And it was a picture of him looking super shredded. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't even know he looked like this. And then he had another picture like a like a carousel on Instagram, like a swipe. And it was a picture of him looking like lean, but not shredded. And he had a poll, like how many, how far apart are these photos? And there was options for like, you know, weeks or days or hours. It was, the difference was like four hours. And that's the thing. Posing is a thing. Dehydrating your body for a photo shoot is a thing. So a lot of times you th- you see these photos of people looking so lean and perfect and you're like, oh, that's what I want. Well, guess what? Five seconds prior, that person probably looked bloated just standing there because I've done those photos, right? You just turn your body, you stop breathing for a second and boom, you look leaner. So we have to be careful with these pictures that we see because- they're often facades or just very, very small glimpses of time. Yes. And I think a lot of my clients have come to that fruition, like as we go on our journey, which is really, really awesome to see, super rewarding. I recently had a client who didn't necessarily have a number goal of fat loss. She was just like, I want to lose weight and till I feel good. And I was like, great. So she had lost 30 pounds and she was like, yeah, like, I think I want to keep going. And I was like, cool, you know, let's, let's keep going. And she probably messaged me a week later and was like, yeah, I'm done. Like, I don't want to be in a calorie deficit anymore because she just felt, she was like, I'm at a point where I feel good and I feel healthy and my energy is high. And she's like, and I don't need to look like X, Y, and Z. She's like, I feel great in my clothes right now. So why do I need to keep digging and digging and digging? And that was just so rewarding to hear because we often feel like it's never enough. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I feel like that's a lot of people coming that, that come in with a bad relationship with food. Like some people have come in like saying, I was 100 pounds lighter 10 years ago and I was still struggling. It still wasn't good enough. So when is enough enough? Where is that realistic finish line for you? And for a lot of our clients, like what you just said, 
that just happened to me a few weeks ago with a client that graduated in January. And she told me when she graduated, I might do another cut on my own before the summer. And then she messaged me a few weeks ago saying, I never did another fat loss phase or a cut. I realized that I feel so much better in my clothes. I lost over 30 pounds. This is the best my mindset has ever been. Like people are noticing that I look and feel good. I tried on a bikini for the first time in years and I didn't hate it. And I actually bought one and I'm like tearing up and I'm like, yes, this is what it's all about. We're not going to have these perfect beach bodies like we see on social media. And as we get older, A lot of people still look at their college selves or, oh, I want to be the weight I was 20 years ago. And they're in their mid-50s struggling with menopause. And it's, again, it's, we want them to look and feel their best, but we also have to try to convince them that it's okay to adjust your expectations and your goals based on your phase of life and your schedule. Like, back to the abs thing, like, it's not impossible, It is not impossible. Anything is possible. But are you willing to dedicate your life and your happiness, right? I think you had posted something a few weeks ago that was like, don't spend 90% of your time or your life to lose the last 10 pounds or something like that. And I feel like that's a lot of people. It's just like, I just want to get to 150 or 130 or 140. And they put in like all this mental energy and they exhaust themselves trying to lose the last five to 10 pounds where it's so much more maintainable to just hang out at that number and feel good. And what was that post that you said? Was I pretty close? Yeah, I think it was very similar. Like, don't don't spend 90% of your life to weigh 5% less or like something along those lines. I think it's so important where if your body's really like something we've recently talked about is when you have a little weight to lose, it's like squeezing the end of the toothpaste roll, right? It's so hard. You're finding any little bit of toothpaste left and trying to squeeze it out. That's what it's like to get those last five pounds off. So if you feel like you're putting in every single maximum effort to get those last five pounds off, maybe it's not worth it. You know, maybe your body's saying, hey, I feel really happy and comfortable here. And if you're feeling great there, then let you let yourself live your life a little bit and be at maintenance and be comfortable there. Yeah, definitely. When I did my macros journey with my coach for my wedding, the crazy part is, is that I lost like five pounds. 10 months, five pounds, because I was close. But for me, it's in that's like the crazy thing about when you're so close to your goal weight and it's like squeezing out the toothpaste. My body wants to be 130. I don't have to do much to maintain 130. I'm like super short. I'm 5'3". So for me to maintain 130, I can eat probably 2,200 calories, lift four times a week for like 30 to 45 minutes and walk 8,000 steps per day right? 8,000 steps, four workouts, 2,200 calories. And I can hang out at 130 where I can go out to eat, you know, and nothing really changes and it's very maintainable. But for me to look shredded, which is 125 pounds, it's literally five pounds less. I had to walk 15,000 steps per day, 1,800 calories. Like it is crazy the amount of effort that I had to put in to basically have abs for like a minute. 
And all I was thinking was like, this isn't worth it. I'd rather just hang out at 1.30 and eat 2,200 calories versus like being hungry and annoyed at 1,800, which is still pretty high. But I mean, if I can be at 2,200 versus 18 and then 8,000 steps versus 15,000, that's like double the steps. And it was so hard. So it's just having that realization like, okay, 130 versus 125. Is it worth it? Not really. My husband doesn't care. He doesn't even notice, right? And it's like you're wearing clothes 90% of the time. So is it worth it for that one photo in a bikini? I don't think so. Yeah, I think gearing back to that post is like, the first thing is being realistic about what your goals are and what your expectations of your goals are. And then putting in a plus effort incoherent to what that goal is. Right. And I think even like a minus goes a long way, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and for some people, B plus is great, right? B's get degrees. They do. And it's just going to take a little bit longer. Like if you can't be, 90 to 95% consistent. Like if you can only put in B effort consistently, you're still going to cross the finish line. Your marathon pace might be a 10 minute mile versus a seven minute mile, right? So you might finish an hour later than everybody else, but you're still crossing that finish line and that's okay. Yeah. I love that analogy. I was just thinking like, if you can put in B effort, just expect B results. And I don't mean that in a harsh way, just like set your expectations where you can meet them. Um, A good example of that is my clients will be like, I'm going on a weekend trip. What do I do? And I'm like, well, what do you want to get out of the trip? You know? And they're like, well, I kind of just want to enjoy myself a little bit. I don't want to really track everything. And I'm like, great. I love that goal, but you can't come back Monday and be upset that you haven't lost weight right? Just like have your expectations meet whatever that goal is. So these, these clients, like if that's their goal, they come back and I'm like, okay, our goal was that you got to enjoy yourself a little bit. You found balance. You you listened to your hunger and fullness cues. Do you feel like you've met that goal? And they will say, yeah, I felt that felt really good. I'm like, great. You met your goal. Be happy about that. And if, if their goal is to be really diligent and really, you know, on point, then, okay, did we meet that goal? So always just like meeting your expectation. If you can only put in B effort, don't be upset that you're not getting A plus results. And there's nothing wrong with that. Right. Just like studying for a test. If you study for an hour versus five, you're probably going to get a C or B versus the person that studied for five hours got an A plus. Right. Oh, that makes me happy that I'm done with school, to be honest. Just just thinking about studying. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, so those were the two statements that we really wanted to put out there. And hopefully some of these resonated with you. Um, So there's a difference between putting in effort and being consistently adherent or having relentless consistency. And then you can't expect A plus effort if you put in C or B plus O. You can't expect A-plus results if you put in B or C effort, and that's okay. We just have to adjust our expectations, and again, it's like you can put in A effort most of the time, and then here and there, there's B effort. I feel like that was my journey, right? I went to Vermont. I took seven days off of my macros. 
I came back, had very realistic expectations that the scale was probably going to go up because I went on vacation for seven days. But I I had that expectation, right? So I come back, I just get right back on track, back to the steps, back to the tracking. So it's, again, when you do have those those moments or those those days or those weeks, maybe, where you're not putting in as much effort, you can always get back on the horse. I recommend doing it as soon as possible, right? If you have a wedding weekend, I know one of my clients told me she had 10 weddings this summer. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this brings me back to 2017 while all my high school friends were getting married. And that's that's really difficult. So again, we have to adjust our expectations. And I actually had a discovery call with someone that told me that she had like 12 weddings this summer and she wanted to lose fat to feel more confident. And this was someone that did not pivot or move forward because I said, okay, I know that you want to lose like 20 to 30 pounds, but you're a very social person and you have 12 weddings this summer. Can you be in a consistent calorie deficit over the summer? Or do you think it's best that you live your best life and then you reach back out in September once these weddings are over? And she's like, you know what? You're right. Like, I don't want to be in a calorie deficit this summer. And this was not about like me, like making a sale. This is like, hey, like, I don't want you to set yourself up for failure. Like, this is the reality. Like, can you be in a deficit when you have 12 weddings? Probably not. Good. Let's do this later. Right. Absolutely. All right. Let's go through some quick tips to help people be more consistent. So we're we're basically going to think about our most successful clients, which are simply the people that are the most consistently adherent. What are they doing that sets them apart? What do you think, Sam? I think the number one is pre-planning. So that could look like pre-planning meals, you know, meal prepping on the weekends. It could look like pre-tracking your meals so you aren't getting to the end of the day and realizing you don't have any calories left and you haven't eaten dinner yet. Um, That could be pre-planning exercise into your week. I think having a plan of action for the week is going to be your most utilized skill. Definitely. I think I said this last week with on the last episode with Paige and Tyler. They said that prepping meals was a game changer for their success. And I 100% agree. Poor planning leads to poor choices or poor planning leads to nothing, really. Like if my if my workouts were not in my schedule, I probably would work instead of work out. Yes. Yes. Same. And I think even with, you know, when I was in my calorie deficit and tracking, I would sit down while I was watching a show before bed and just track the day, the next day, like while I was sitting there, I wasn't doing anything else. I didn't, my attention wasn't required anywhere else. And it took all of 10 minutes. So I would go through what meals do I already have planned plug those in. What breakfast options do I generally go for? Plug that in. And then with whatever was left over is what decided what my snacks were going to be. So I just didn't let there be too much decision fatigue because I already had some of those things planned out. I was just adding in whatever 
was left for my macros. And if there was something that I really, really was craving, I would put that thing in first and then work backwards from there. And you can do the same thing if you know you're going to be eating out. Look at the menu, look to see what looks good on there, what you might order, plug that in and then work backwards for your day. So again, that you're not overshooting your calories by 500 if you're trying to lose fat and then being like, crap, now I've not been consistent this day. Yeah, definitely. That's one of my favorite favorite things, favorite tricks for people that are tracking and they are eating out. I'm like, where are you going? They're like, oh, we're just ordering pizza. I'm like, okay, let's plug in two pieces of pizza. Are you planning on having a drink with that? Like, oh, I'd really love a beer. Okay, let's plug it in and see see what we can do. So now for dinner, we have two slices of pizza. We have a beer. Let's work our way backwards. So we might have to adjust you know, the meals and snacks a little bit. So maybe you're having a slightly smaller lunch and a, you know, maybe we're taking out a snack. um, But it's very helpful when we know we're eating out like, okay, let's make sure we're getting most of our protein in and our fruits and veggies in before because chances are we're not getting a lot of quality lean protein fruits and veggies when we're eating out or getting together with people. But yeah, planning, planning is everything when we're winging it. It's really, really hard to be successful. I know when we don't when I when I came back from the Shania Twain concert, Shane was on shift all weekend. So I was at a town, he was on shift. I come back, there's no food in the fridge except for perfect bars and Wella bars. I was like, okay, I cannot live on this this week. Like we need to go to the store as soon as possible because if we don't have fruits and veggies and a rotisserie chicken, we start ordering DoorDash. Like, yeah, that happens. And I'm like, we can't do this because then, you know, we don't feel good and then we just get offset with our goals. So planning ahead and it doesn't have to be meal prep, right? Some people are like, I hate meal prep. I hate leftovers. Just write down what you're going to make for dinner. Like taco Tuesday. Okay, you're having tacos. Wednesday, you're making this crock pot. Thursday, you're grilling burgers. Just pick something and write it down so that you're not ordering takeout at 8 p.m. when everybody's over it and starving because we also don't make good decisions when we're hangry. So (laughs) plan ahead. What else do our most successful clients do? Why are they being consistent? The second thing that I find is having staple meals and or snacks on hand that you can always go back to. So Danny and I have talked a lot on, you know, Facebook group and whatnot about having on, you know, always on hand foods and then creating meals out of those always on hand meals and snacks that you have. So, you know, I had recently had a client that resonated a lot with this because when we first started meeting, she was like, I hate eating the same thing more than once. I get sick of food so fast. She just didn't have the right foods, right? So to her, that meant she had to eat a salad every day um, or she had to eat, you know, cottage cheese as a snack. So we really dug deep to find foods that she did like to have all the time and not saying that she eat the same exact thing every day, but she could always go back to like a turkey sandwich or she could always go back to a yogurt parfait when she didn't maybe have anything planned or prepped. Yeah, definitely. I feel like my staples, 
during my calorie deficit, it was it was a lot of the same things, but kind of moving them around. So you, you mentioned cottage cheese and how she didn't want it. I feel like cottage cheese is a hater love. Either you're all in or you're all out. I'm I'm all in with cottage cheese. But to be honest, I think that it's all about the brand because one day Shane bought a random container from, I think, Walmart because he was there getting this one specific thing. And I was like, ew, this cottage cheese is gross. And I love cottage cheese. So if you hate it or maybe you're just like, oh, I don't love it, it might be the brand because – I feel like they're not all the same. And some of them, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I love this cottage cheese. And some of them are like, this is the grossest thing ever. No wonder people don't like cottage cheese. They probably had this exact one. I was I was the cottage cheese hater. I was like, there's no way people just eat this. And I wanted to go on a cottage cheese journey because I just like to try new things. And I wanted to include it in my diet. And I will only eat good culture. So shout out good culture. That is the best cottage cheese brand. It's a good brand. I love that they have those little like individual ones at Costco sometimes. It's like 19 grams of protein and it's already in its own little container. But yeah, for me during my calorie deficit, because protein is typically pretty high in a calorie deficit to help you feel satisfied and full, it was like my snacks had to be Greek yogurt and berries and cottage cheese in between meals so that it was something that I enjoyed and also help me hit my protein goal. And when I was not in a calorie deficit, when I was at maintenance or in my like bulking phase, I was not really eating as much of these foods because I could get away with other things. So sometimes it's just the phase that you're in, like in a calorie deficit, I feel like rice cakes are just like a calorie deficit food. And I saw them in my pantry cleaning it out this past week. And I'm like, Ew, rice cakes. Like, that just reminds me of being in a calorie deficit. And I'm like, obviously not, especially being pregnant. I was like, I was like, why did I, why did I think these were even good? They're not even good. Um, but it just, you know, like, there's your calorie deficit foods. And then there's your, like, regular life foods. And a lot of them are the same. But I think one of my new favorite obsessions that I got a lot of people to go buy in the past few weeks, because I posted on Instagram, it's those Amy Lou chicken burgers from Costco and Sam's Club. They come, the best part is they come in a box, but then they're individually wrapped in twos. So you can buy them. They come in the refrigerator section. So we buy them, we freeze them, but we only take two out of the time. And you just air fry these chicken burgers for seven minutes, I think. Seven minutes. So while that's air frying, I'm like figuring out, okay, what am I going to do for a jet veggie? Boom. Quick steam some asparagus. Grab a bun. Yes, a real bun. It's not even whole grain. Like, it's just the white <laughs> buns. Because I'm like, I'm having fiber with all these veggies. It's going to be okay. Boom. Done. Like, it doesn't have to be complicated. And I feel like people are overcomplicating nutrition. It's like, protein, carb, veggie. We got a bun. We got a chicken burger. We got some asparagus. This took seven minutes. Let's keep it yes, simple. Yes, I think, I think that is a good tip, maybe even as keeping it as simple as possible. Don't complicate it. I had one client who was just like torn over the fact that she felt like she should be eating brown rice, but she loved jasmine rice. And she didn't portray that for, I don't know, maybe a couple meetings. And she finally said it and almost like, oh my gosh, eat the jasmine rice. I don't <laughs> care. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's what we buy. We I suck at cooking rice, to be honest. Like I cannot I think if I I think once we have 
multiple kids, I'll have to get a rice cooker um, to, <laughs> you know, because everyone says like, oh, get a rice cooker. Like, that's how I make perfect rice. But it's just like me half the time eating. So we just get the the Sam's Club or the Costco, like 90 second Uncle Ben's and we get the seeds of change ones. And then we get the jasmine rice pouches. And I feel like when I first became a dietitian, I was very just like 100 percent like everything has to be whole grain and whatever. And now I'm like, you know what? I love jasmine rice. So whichever client said that, like, I'm here for it. And a lot of people ask me that question, like, well, what kind of rice? Well, what kind of rice do you like? If if you're going to pick white sticky rice, let's make sure we're adding some veggies so that, you know, we do get some fiber and we don't have a blood sugar spike. But and that goes back to what we talk to our clients about in regards to non-negotiables is what are your non-negotiables? And if it's jasmine rice, great. I love that for you. We're going to have jasmine rice in your diet. Um, If it's, you know, if it's a cocktail on Fridays or whatever, is don't get rid of those things that you love so much. Um, and and let's modify or make adjustments to other things that you care much less about. Right. Let's adjust things elsewhere. You don't have to have brown rice if you hate it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think I think one of the most important things with consistency is accountability. It really is. It is very, very hard to be relentlessly consistent or consistently adherent without accountability. Absolutely. I think, you know, we, we've we showed that ourselves with having people on our team when we're going through these things. You hired a coach. Um, you were kind of-ish my coach when I <laughs> was going through my calorie deficit. So, like you said, accountability can come from a lot of different places, friends, partners, family. Um, but if those people don't really give the best advice, we recommend hiring somebody that knows what advice to give and guidance and education. Right. And it's, you know, it just it's it's really hard with people in your house, right? If it's it's you and your spouse or your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your partner, if you're not on the same journey because I feel like there's one person that's always more intense than the other. Um, it would be interesting if I like married someone just like me. I feel like it'd be scary. Um, but it's just like there's only so much you can do to support each other. And that's, you know, if we come back to Paige and Tyler from last week, like Tyler was trying to learn through Paige because she's been through the program. And they're like, you know what? This is causing so much tension and all these arguments because – you can't coach your spouse. And it's really hard to keep your spouse or your partner or your mom or your dad accountable. Like, I'm a dietitian. My parents have reached out for advice due to, like, blood pressure and things like that. Do you think that they're going to consistently implement what I tell them? No, because accountability connects the, the knowing to the doing. And, you know, that's my final point with being consistent, it's like knowing what to do is not enough. Most people know what to do, or at least in a ballpark, right? Most people that want to be healthier, for example, just improve their health, they know that they should exercise and drink less alcohol and eat more veggies. They know that. And guess what? If you don't, you can Google how to be healthy. 
right? <laughs> the information is out there. It's in books. It's on Google. It's on social media. I know it can be confusing, which is why a lot of people reach out. They're just confused because there's a lot of different types of information. But the basics, right? Walking, veggies, water, sleeping. These are very basic things. People know they're good for them. But without someone keeping them accountable to implement all the things, they're not going to do them consistently. Absolutely. I, I love the point about the family. I don't think anyone listens to me less than my family and they get the advice for free. <laughs> yeah. And and that's another thing. It's just investing in it makes you take it more seriously, right? As dietitians, a lot of our close friends and family will ask us for advice and at the beginning of our careers, meal plans, right? Which we don't really do anymore. I feel like that's very 2010, which, which when I say 2010, I was like, that wasn't that long ago. And then I realized that was 13 years ago. Um, but when you invest in something, you take it more seriously, right? It's like if you have a beat up old car and you're driving it around, you don't really pay attention to where you park it or who you're parking near. And if someone hits it, you're like, whatever, it's all already banged up anyway. But if you go buy a Lambo, you're going to park that thing in a VIP parking lot. It's just investing in something makes you take it more seriously. And that's why when I started Pivot right away, I was like, okay, well, I kind of know what I'm doing, but I don't really know. And I need someone to keep me accountable. So I hired a business coach. Then I hired a personal trainer. Then I hired my own dietitian coach who does exactly what I do, <laughs> macros and fat loss. So again... If you know what to do, but you're not consistently implementing the things that you need to do, accountability is the missing piece. Yes, absolutely. And it's okay to ask for help, even if you know what to do. I get it. I've been there where I'm like, do I really need to invest into having someone tell me what to do when it's what I tell people what to do every single day? And I was like, am I going to do it on my own? consistently. No, I'm not. I'm not because I'm doing a hundred things every single day. And I think that's most of our clients, parents in general, they're doing so many things. And when you're go, 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 and you're just surviving, not thriving, that's where the accountability piece is so, so, so important. Yes. I think that, you know, like you said, the accountability and just the support from somebody from an outside perspective. Yes. Not an immediate family member. All right, Sam, any final words as we close out our first episode together? Very exciting. Yes. Um, I think just to wrap it up, you know, we talked, you, obviously you and I can just tangent for hours, as you guys can probably tell by now. But I think we started with you have to be consistently adherent. We kind of moved to set realistic expectations and, and ended with just knowing that accountability can help you reach those goals. So we kind of were all over the place a little bit, but I think they all really wrap up to all the things we talk about in our sessions with our clients about how to see those results long-term. Definitely. And I think it's important to remind our listeners that if you're on a health and wellness journey of any kind, even if you're an athlete, like effort and consistency are not the same thing. They're just not. You can put in all the effort you want, but if it's inconsistent effort, we're probably not going to get anywhere. 
Right. It all comes down to consistency. And (sighs) consistency is not easy. It's not. It's sometimes exhausting just thinking about it. But you can do hard things. And if you truly want to achieve your goals, whatever they may be, it's possible. It's 100% possible. People can change. You can change your lifestyle. You can change your habits. You can change your mindset. You can change your friend groups. There's a lot of things that you can change, but you have to decide what is it that I want? Is it realistic for me to achieve? And if yes, what do I need in order to achieve this? Is it a personal trainer? Is it a dietitian coach? Is it a walking buddy? Is it someone to cook my meals for me? So, you know, ask yourself those questions and then go and then move forward. Again, it's a marathon, not a sprint. If you're moving forward, even if you're moving at turtle speed, you're still moving forward, my friends. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the channel and share with one friend who would benefit from this message. Need help with your nutrition? Find me on Instagram at DannyVRD or visit our website, pivotnutritioncoaching.com. Thanks for listening.